Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 77 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. You got an idea, a dream, a new venture? So make it better. Create a dream team for your idea, and we're going to talk about putting together the dream team you need to have in this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hey, greetings. Welcome to episode 77 of the Reinventure Me podcast, the podcast for what is next in life. And this is your co-host, Larry Gates, and I'm with Armin Asadi. Yeah, Armin? That's right. How are you doing, Larry? I'm doing well. You were doing a little bit of a pre-show warm-up on your radio voice. Oh, Yeah. Why are we bringing this up right now? <laughs> well, I thought maybe you'd want to give a sh- no. I maybe you'd want to give a peek to our listeners. No, I don't want to traumatize our listeners in any way. Right off the bat, okay, well, we'll let it go. Just know that Armin is working on a special radio voice. That's right, folks. <laughs> oh, you got a little bit of a peek right there, so maybe it's good enough for us just to move on. <laughs> so that might be what's next in Armin's life. In oh, this God, podcast, we'd like to talk about what's next in your life as well. Now, I'm quite an idea guy. I think you know this. Yeah. I come up with ideas all, all the time. In long. fact, I told Anna the other day, I says, I've got an idea. She looked at me. She said, I don't know. If I had a nickel, not even a nickel, you know, for every idea you came up She'd with. Be rich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have to have another idea. That's true. But you, but you still would, of course. You know, I perhaps used the wrong name when I, because I told her I had an idea, but it, you know, it was more just a, a suggestion of thought rather than an idea, but she kind of went and ran, ran with it. But you know, when we have an idea and come up with stuff, I can come up with all kinds of ideas that are just disposable. I like to keep a list and i think we've talked about before never kill an idea yeah. just allow it to incubate and some of them will die on their own yeah the really good ones will get a life and yeah. be something you want to do if you go about killing an idea because you go i don't have time for this i don't have time for that then you you train your brain to not have ideas yeah so i like to have lots of ideas and keep them stimulated and i write them down and i don't pursue most of them because they're not all worth pursuing yeah but the ones that are the really big ones the ones that you're thinking about in your life they go Oh, it's time. I got to do something with this idea. Mm-hmm. Form a dream team. So much better off when you've got a dream team to help you with that. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate of this just because it's the only way I know how to function because I just, I'm not really good at relying on myself because I just feel like I have a very tunnel vision every time I get some kind of idea and I convince myself it's a lot better than it is or a lot worse than it is. You or know, whatever it might what, be. what you've described though is true of all of us yeah and we just most of us don't know it <laughs> that's, that's right? a good point yeah. and it ties us into our inspire me why don't you kick ah, off yeah. of that? all right cool so this quote is by marcel proust he says the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes but in having new eyes mm. yeah it describes what i need <laughs> yeah well i think when we think about 
our new ventures, the things that we want to do. I'm just getting off of a one-year assignment right now of pastoring a church through a transition period, you know, helping them with that. And I've got my book project in mind, so I'm like (laughs) counting the days down so I can start on my book project. And as we were talking about this show concept for today, I started rethinking some of the stuff that I have been teaching about dream teams and such, but thinking about how to apply that with the specific project in mind. So I am gassed up Mm. and excited. Which uh, project is this? I'm going to be writing a new book. I had different a, books. Yeah, I had another book concept in mind, and this is one around the strategic margin principles that we've talked about on this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, pretty excited about it, but I'm not committed to it until I finish <laughs> my other assignment, but that's going to free up some time for me to do that, and very excited about it. So this is the third book project, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Soon to be out. You're working <laughs> on it, and the world will see it, and everybody will buy it. That's what I'm hoping. That's Right. Of course, like, a, like with every project, right? Everybody buys into every idea we have oh, and every great thing that we want to the do. The book one life. doesn't click for me, man. I no, just, I know. I mean, you not, said, that. Not, you I said that before. Yeah. I just feel like I'm going to write a book and just, I'm going to get like two sales out of it. Some statistics have said that 80% of people believe they have a book within them, you know, but of course, 80% of people don't end up writing books, no. so that's a different issue. Yeah. But regardless of whether your specific venture or thing that you want to do is writing a book or something else, yeah. we can all benefit from having other people around us, other eyes, if you will, and right. Krauss language to help us discover some of the new vistas that we need to discover about what we need to do. First thing I, I, that I, I really liked about this is you brought up one of the ultimate basketball team to have ever been assembled the truest of dream teams ever why don't we start off with that yeah sure i mean you can't really talk about dream team unless you go back to almost 1992 yes the united states olympic men's basketball team was nicknamed the dream team yes and they were the first american olympic team to feature active nba players an incredible roster i mean the names (laughs) Include Christian Leitner, Patrick Ewing, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Magic Johnson. I mean, you know, that you is the, no, that's the, how did any other team even stand a chance? Well, they didn't. Uh, they beat every team on an average of forty-four points. Forty-four points? Are you <laughs> yeah. kidding me? No. It oh was my. amazing. It was like just this wipeout, you know. If, if I would have seen Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan on our roster, I would have just forfeited the game. It was like, here, here, you guys can have this. <laughs> it's considered one of the best sports teams ever assembled. Yeah, and, easily. And, of course, they went on to win the gold medal in Barcelona in Shocking. 1992. But, Shocking. Yeah. I'm absolutely shocked that they pulled that off. Oh, are you? No. no. It's just, <laughs> God, that team is ridiculous. I know. I know. It's right. And you think about, wow, that's really amazing assemblage of casts of characters, and yet, When we think about our own dream, how can we take our idea, the venture that we might be thinking about, the thing that we want to create, and how can we put maybe not NBA level, that kind of level of Olympic dream team talent together, but how can we rally people around us that can help us with what we have in mind? Oftentimes, I think a lot of solopreneurs will come up with an idea or whatever, and they feel like they have to do things in a vacuum. And I think that's a misnomer. And I think a lot of it is we retreat to the idea of a vacuum because in some ways it's easier. You know, you don't have to deal with the challenge that other perspectives create, and you don't have to worry about whether there's something that you're not getting right or how that all plays out or, you know, and it's just easier to kind of do things on your own. But you really are, in the words of Proust, missing out on the ability to see through other eyes. Yeah. Well, I think we convince ourselves it's easier, but it really isn't. How do you define easier? Is it less time spent? Is it 
less objections is like what defines easier. And I think a lot of times we define easier in terms of solopreneurs as there's going to be less obstacles put in my way or less pivoting that I have to do to create the right model. It's I, I can just get what I have and move it out. But reality, you could just be making the biggest mistake, creating something no right. one wants and making that mistake over and over and over. And the time you thought you're about to save, you just wasted. Yeah, You said time and save. And that's when I think of easier, I always think in terms of speed. <laughs> that's yeah. just me. I think, yeah. you know, something's not easy if it takes long. And yeah. if you've got to involve other people in it, well, almost by definition, it's going to take longer, right? Because you're getting input and then you got to evaluate the input and is that useful or not. But you know, when it comes to putting together something though, and as I'm looking at this book project and even having gone through the preparation for this exercise, I just mm. in my own mind now created my dream team for yeah. this particular project. And mm. I know exactly who I want to have on it and how I want to have them. And I was able to do it because of thinking about through various lenses that people have and how they can bring that into a dream team. Mm. What are those lenses first? Well, the reason you want different people, you wouldn't want to fill your basketball team with just point guards, for instance, right? You, you need the variety. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so in the dream intensive workshop, I talk about assembling a dream team and I talk about four different lenses that people generally look through. Now, somebody can do all of them, may not do all of them very well. I do one pretty well. I do another one very well. And then the other two I can do, I don't default to them. I right. have to kind of work at them. But there's four ways in which you can think about somebody or the lenses that they can put on. The first is the lens of an ideator. This is something that I do a lot of. Right. Great. Lots of ideas. Yeah. So somebody that comes through the lens of an ideator is always thinking about new ideas. They're the ones that are great at brainstorming. They're the first to kind of spout off something when there's a new idea yep. that needs to be fresh. They infuse energy in things. And frankly, ideators, and I probably, this is true of everybody, but I can yeah. speak as an ideator. We don't understand what the problem is if somebody can't come up with an idea. You know, some people are just like, I don't know. I don't have any ideas. I'm like, we can spout off 10 or 15 and we kind of look perplexed at the guy who can't like, <laughs> you're missing what's something, right? Yeah. What's yeah. wrong with you? And somebody <laughs> that has a different lens is going to look the same way. Right. Somebody that doesn't have that capability as well. But even an ideator like myself, I can get stuck in my own thinking. I need to get juices flowing. I need to be around other ideators, you know, yeah. and uh, there's a friend of mine, his name is Gordon. I think we've talked about him mm -hmm. on the podcast before, but this guy hypercharges my ideation. I mean, he can just boom, you know, yeah. I just throw out something. And like I, I think I've said before, you know, 98% of any of the ideas are not good, right? you know, but you don't, you're not looking at quality here. You're looking at quantity because it's what generates what comes out of it. There will be something that comes yeah. from it. But when you look through something with the lens of an ideator, there's a fundamental driving question. And that is what could it be? Hmm. You're thinking about the possibilities, and this is about Myers-Briggs, right? Yeah. They're possibility, high possibility thinkers. They're thinking about what could it be? What are the possibilities? How can this work its its way out? Yeah. And I think there's a strength finders as well for ideation. Is that right? Yep. It's actual strength. It's called mm -hmm. ideator. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think some of the other ones are on here too that are part mm -hmm. of the strength finders that yep. are actually considered their strengths. It's funny. It's typically the person who has ideation will typically have something along the lines of futuristic or strategic that, I mean, it's 100% of the time they'll have one of those two strengths to go with it. Yeah. And I don't think I have the ideation strength, yeah. interestingly, uh, I but I do have strategic. Yep. So, <laughs> so that is, that's there. The second lens that people can look through is the developer lens. Mm-hmm. 
So they're the ones that think about this in a product life cycle, if you will. Somebody's got to come up with the idea, right? Mm-hmm. Then somebody has to make the first version of that idea, you know, mm-hmm. release one. Yeah. And that may be the person that came up with the idea. It often isn't. And, and many times you'll see there's lawsuits over, hey, he took my idea and right. he brought it to market. Well, yeah, okay. He took, he took an idea, brought it to market. And yeah. I've done this before. I'll see a book on a bookshelf and they go, oh, that was my idea. Yeah, yeah. but somebody else wrote it. You know, yep, exactly. somebody else brought it to market. Somebody, somebody else actually did something, did, with, did it. something with Yeah, it. I think that's uh, some one of the constant issues that I think most of us deal with is there's so many people that are willing to throw and spout out idea after idea after idea. But I think the typically the part of the team that's missing for most people is the executors. I'm assuming the developer is somebody that's a builder, right? Let's yep. let's just do step one. Right. So that every other step is possible. And I feel like there's so many people that are surrounded by, here's this idea, that idea, this idea, that idea, but it's nobody's willing to help get traction. You know, yep. there's drivers in this world, but there's some people who are not capable of getting traction, right? Like yep. English class, right? How yep. many people did you know? They could write an entire paper as soon as the intro was done. The entire document would take them two days Right. Mm-hmm. But the intro took a day and a half. Right. The rest took a half a day. Right. Right. And I feel like that's, yeah. So these are the people that I think are so crucial. Yeah, the they executors. are. They really are. You know, I think we've talked about this in one of our earlier episodes, but there's a terrific Onion parody, a video parody of the TED Talks where, oh, okay. where the guy says, I got this great idea about how to turn trash into fuel. Okay. okay. Now that's my idea. Now it's your job to go make it work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I'll share the profits with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Question mark. Yeah, so, you know, it's like, it's one thing to have an idea. It's another mm-hmm. thing to implement it. And you need to be a developer to bring the first idea to market. And so the developer is the one who really looks at taking an idea, whether it's their own or somebody else's, and figures out how to create the first version of that. They're they're innovators. They're prototypers. They're the raw implementers. They're yeah. not concerned about anything other than making it come to life. And yep. they usually move very fast. They're yeah. fast movers. They put things together. They're the inventors, right? Yes. Their driving question is, what form should it take? Yes. They're looking at seeing an idea and bringing it to form. Yep. That's what a developer does. Yeah, they're the activators. They're the one that take dream, concept, idea, whatever, and they activate the project. That's great. Well, I am an activator in String Finder, so that makes total sense. Uh, So that's my number one. Is that your number one? Yeah, and then number two is strategic. Rock on, fist bump right there in the (laughs) studio. All right. Third lens that you can look through is the improver lens. So there's probably also a Strength Finder. Is that right? Actually, no, not improver. If you break it down into the 34 into eight categories, these guys are considered drivers. Okay. All right. So the first one is activator. So traction, this one would be a driving strength. So the improver is the person person who's always able to see what's wrong with something Mm -hmm. and how it can be made better. So they're the ones that are always looking at how to operationalize something. They're looking at how to make it effective and efficient, and and they are interested in scaling it. Mm -hmm. So they're going to take an idea that's been put into development and see the first thing, and they go, oh, I know all the things that are wrong with that, or I know what needs to be done to that to really make it go to the masses, to really make it profitable to really do something else. And their driving question is, how can it be better? Yes. And then back in their mind, they're always like, how can it be better? Yes. And it's hard for an improver, a good improver to not look at something. It's hard for them to resist Mm -hmm. finding something that can be improved in something. Yes. 
Absolutely. Okay. So here's something really important that you're pointing out, or maybe it's underlying what you're saying, is there's so many people who consider having problem identification as a strength. That's fine. But to a team, if that's the only thing you're going to do is point out problems, but never offer solutions, to me, you're a pain. You're not a value add to me. You're just a pain in my butt to me. Yeah. So if uh, the way you're describing it is someone that not only identifies problems but improves if they they themselves take an active hand in yes. improving it yeah you're you're stating the old maximum if you're not part of the solution you're part of the problem absolutely yeah but there's so many people that think hey if i'm a problem identifier it's up to everybody else to solve it i'm just going to sit back and collect problems hey uh, we just gave the onion a great idea for another tedx parody <laughs> <laughs> here's all the things wrong with the world you guys go fix it i identified them. you can fix them i did research well, uh, you know and that's what a lot of you know you get together with Friday nights and hang out with somebody, you know, and you're just having that. How can we be king of the world and improve things and all the rest? And it's fun conversation to have about all the things that are wrong in the world. Yeah, but you can easily step away from those as well and not do anything with it. Well, that's the improver lens. The third lens is kind of an interesting one, I think, is the restorer lens. The the person who has this lens is able to get through the clutter of what's been put together. They are able to look at an idea or a product or a service or even a business and say we've lost the core here. We've lost the core idea of what we're doing. And they're the ones that are able to strip away all the stuff that might be going on and to say, this is what we need to focus on. Their driving question really is what should be redeemed out of all this, what's really core and central. And if you think about turnaround people in business or in churches or whatever, they're the ones that are saying, we've got so much clutter here that we've missed what our core mission is. Let's get back to that. Which is so crucial. It is crucial. Because it's, I mean, if you think even think about software developers, right? They add so many features to their software. They literally devalue it by over creating overabundance of features that nobody wants to use. But we do that with everything, right? We do that with our businesses. Well, you can churches. see that in, you can almost see that in any business. I mean, yeah. you can see that happening to Google. You know, what is Google now? You can see it happening to Yahoo, for instance. I mean, I think they lost a lot of their... I don't know if they ever had it, but yeah. Oh, no, they did. They they were the number one search platform, the number one visited portal uh, yeah. at one time, and, and they lost that. But you can almost pick any company that has any level of maturity to it, and the improvers have taken over, mm-hmm. and pretty soon the central driving thing has been lost. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way with every company, but keeping restorers and having restorers there saying, let's get back to basics. Yep. And, you know, I believe Steve Jobs was a lot of a restorer for as much as he was an innovator. I think he really drove Apple to think, let's stick with what are some of the basics here. Right. And I think when he went back, he did some of that. I think he really not only innovated in new ideas, but he also just tried to make sure the company retained its its core values in the process. He did something in that world that nobody does. He simplified. Yeah. And that is what a restorer does, is yeah. it simplifies. So if you see this, you know, you can say an idea person takes lots of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And the developer takes that and creates something from it. Sure. The improver takes that something and makes lots of something from it, puts right. lots of stuff on it, and the restorer brings it back again. So there's almost yep. this cycle that happens in an evolution of a idea or a product where these four people are absolutely needed to bring an idea or to life. Yeah. And when you think about what you want to do in your own venture or your own creation, the thing that you might be bubbling up inside of you that you want to create, 
how does your network support these four kinds of people? Mm-hmm. Now, Armin, where would you find yourself in this list of four? I would put myself in two areas. I would say in the idea, but I don't think I'm that great at coming up with ideas. I think if there's ideas already there, I could find you an option C when you're stuck on option A and B, uh-huh, can't uh-huh. find a third option. Yep. You're a lot better than it than I am. But I would say I'm, I'm more of a builder. I'm an activator, but you don't want me to finish it for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I like building a foundation, but I don't like putting up the walls. Yeah. So the you're windows. the developer, not the improver. Yeah. Right? And I so think you... that's probably where I like to be, but mm-hmm. you don't want me to finish the job for yeah. you. And I think you and I are in the same quadrants. Our emphasis is just backwards. I'm more on ideas and I can do some development. Yeah. Uh, whereas you're probably stronger on development and uh, a little lighter on the ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're just backward. But we have competencies in the other two areas as well. I know yeah. I've seen you do stuff in the other areas as I have as well. But we have our primary emphasis. So now here's the question. As you're thinking about the thing that you might want to develop and build out in your life, your next venture that you go into for me for my book project, I just took recently these four categories. Hmm. And I wrote wrote down on a sheet of paper, you know, ideator, developer, mm-hmm. improver, restorer, and I took my network and I listed three people who are really good idea people. Mm-hmm. I wrote down three names. Who are really good developer people that can take an idea? Who are really good and you're on that list, you know. Oh, wow. So just where you described in the developer oh, category, wow. you know, that's so like good. I, I pegged I'm you not right off. where yeah. I, I pegged you. <laughs> your, it's not like you would be off because I said you were. You know? It was funny because you said that, and I go, "That's exactly the cat. That's exactly the list I put you." That's encouraging. And and so that was really an eye-opening exercise for me to say it was really hard. You know, the one that was really hard for me to add to was the restorer. Oh, really? Yeah. And I realized in my network, I don't have as many people that I believe are really, really strong at that. Yeah. And it makes me aware that I need to be connecting in more and more to those kinds of people. Yeah. I, I have, really appreciate them, but I, I kind of hate them in the same way because you're building up something and yeah. they're the ones reminding you to keep it simple it's and don't so... get don't get ahead of yourself. They're the ones putting the brakes on. Yes. And I don't like those voices in my life. It's you know? so funny. So we have one person in my life who is he's just well known in our circles for being that person. Um, his name is David, and every single new venture we're in, he's always in it because he's he's the only guy that does that. Right. We keep adding, and he's the one that says, uh, no. Yeah. You know, but very willing to say no, where everybody else is willing to say, yeah, let's add it. Well, just be aware, you know, the restorer is going to bring things down, like yeah. I said. The, de- the developer is going to bring things down. Yeah. The improver and the ideator are going to bring things up, mm-hmm. right? Those two are going to be most resistant to the other two mm-hmm. because they go in the opposite direction. Yeah. So an improver is going to be resistant to a restorer because <laughs> yep. he's like, hey, you're getting rid of all the stuff I put in. Yeah. Right. An ideator is going to be resistant to a restorer. Yeah. Right. Ideator might even be resistant to a developer because, mm-hmm. hey, you didn't, you're not taking all the ideas. You're taking right. just the one and it's the simplest one or right. whatever it is. Yeah. You know, because that's in their lens. That's what they're driven to. So when you put people on your team, that you're thinking about, hey, maybe even in your work team, if you're you know yeah. working to put something together, you start looking at people through those possible lenses, yeah. can give you an appreciation for how they're viewing the world and help you maximize how you deploy these people. Because as a project life cycle matures, you need more emphasis and more input from one type of team than the other. Mm-hmm. So for instance, the ideator might be needed when you're thinking about ideas to scale the project up too. Yeah. You know, the improver knows how to deploy those things, but they might need an ideator to come in and give some ideas for how they can right. be scaled. So those are 
some of the things that you want to do in terms of how you think about your team. But there's always going to be some form of resistance to somebody that carries a different lens. Yeah, but that's what's creating balance, right? That's what those are your new eyes. Mm-hmm. And like new eyes, it's kind of like you you don't quite see through them very well. And it mm-hmm. kind of hurts to see through them. And your inclination is to go back to your old pair of eyes. Yeah. Right? We had somebody on our team once when I was at Cray, uh, when I ran one of the divisions there. And we would be creating new products and really breaking some new ground, doing some new stuff. I mean, really, it was pretty innovative stuff that we were working on. And after a while, I referred to her as Ms. Disclaimer. You know, I did this in a fun way. She didn't take any offense at it at all. But she was always like the commercial, you know, that says, you know, the possible side effects include, you know, swelling and bleeding and itching and constant urination and even death. (laughs) (laughs) She'd be the one that always telling us, well, you know, if we do something that here's here's the side effects, here's the possible ramifications, here's all the things that can go wrong, (laughs) you know, and and she came at things from really an improver mindset because she knew what needed to be improved. Mm-hmm. Right and how it needed to be done, and we were just like, all right, we just want to get this first thing out the door. Well, if you right. if you don't do all these other things, then here's what's going to happen. Yeah. Know? So, in some ways, she was pushing us, and yet we needed that important voice because there's no doubt we needed to get to those things. We just right. didn't need to get to them immediately. Right. It was important to have that voice in the room. Yes. But also, it can be very irritating. But again, very needed. Yes. And not a lot of people are that. So <laughs> if you have one, take it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. So those are the four different types of lenses that people can look through. They can look at it through an ideator, through a developer, an improver, a restorer. And as you're thinking about your dream, it's good to think about people that you might put on each of those. Now, I, I mentioned to you a little bit ago that I had done this exercise just recently. I wrote down three names. Actually, it was easier for me to write down people in the developer category than it was in any of the other categories. I think I had the longest list. That's, I think, a really, really good exercise. And I think that's going to be the basis of our challenge being in this episode. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think that's a easy enough challenge. Well, sounds easy, but I'll probably get stuck on a couple of them. So what you're suggesting for the challenge is just write out the four lenses and stick three people into each lens. Yeah. So think about the idea or the thing that you want to see come to life. Mm-hmm. And then think about the people who you might be able to recruit on some kind of dream team. But as you, before you approach them, think about the lens that they might come from. Yeah. So that when you're trying to get help from people in helping you think through what you need to put together for mm-hmm. your project, that you're not looking at it just from the one lens and that you fill that out. So yeah. yes, that's the basic idea. Cool. For anyone that's considering doing this on a business or organizational level where you're actually working in tandem with each other and you're going to be in the same room together. One of the things I've realized is really helpful in terms of putting a team together. If there are opposing sides, make sure they respect each other because that really, really helps in terms of finding balance because if they don't respect each other, you kind of pretty much constantly find debate and not progress. Yeah. And some of the ways to generate that respect is just maybe even use these four models as examples that you can tell people, you know, we're going to look at things through different lenses. Each of you have been recruited to this because you have a different way of looking at things. Right. As opposed to having the objective being everybody agreeing and everybody coming to the same conclusion. Right. I like that. Yeah. Whatever the exercise is to build that bond or mutual respect. I think it really helps in, in terms of building a successful team or in the subject of this uh, episode, dream team that you want for your organization. Yeah. So 
So that's all that we have for you. Just go out, build your dream team. Here's a way to get started. Think about the four different lenses that you might be able to put something, a, a team together on. Go field it. Go win your gold medal and whatever you're competing in. <laughs> and then, you know, report back. Let us know how it goes. I'd love to get your comments on our show at uh, reinventure.me slash 77. That's where you'll find the show notes for the show as well. And of course, uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Google Plus, we're all out there. And even Armin is out there, which is amazing for a millennial to be on social media. I it just is. don't get it. <laughs> You're out there more than I am. I'm just going to throw that out there in defense of my millennial status. <laughs> all right. And if you like this episode or any of the ones that you might have listened to, we sure do appreciate any kind of review that you might leave on iTunes or Stitcher. Find the links to those at reinventure.me slash iTunes or reinventure.me slash Stitcher. You're going to have to dig into iTunes to figure out how to not only leave a rating, but also to write a review. We'd love to have that. And of course, we want to hear from you. Any, any questions or comments, You know, leave us some, something on our show notes at uh, reinventure.me slash 77 or call our show line at 612-314-5447. So until next week, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we're saying so long. Go get your dream team together and go get your dream in action. We'll see you next week. Cool. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.